Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message. A long time ago now that we had a missionary lecturer um, by the name of David Davis and his sister's name was Florrie Davis and they lived in a place called Lucker which was the place of an outpouring in the Welsh revival but they went to, um, to Malawi and they were missionaries there all their lives, gave their life to a nation of Malawi and his wife wasn't Welsh, she came from Birmingham. So she spoke. The, the one um, feature that set her apart, her idiosyncrasy, was that she spoke Swahili with a Birmingham accent. <laughs> you know? And I suppose there's only um, one person who can do that. But, um, but Flory's sister was also a missionary together with her brother. And um, they were in this meeting this one day and a man came up to the front. One of the local leaders came up to the front and he um, had this picture in worship. The picture was that there was a stone and all the blood had congealed upon the stone. And... Um, and he, he then said, but what I see happening is that a hand came down and cleared all of the ashes off the stone. And then it lit a new fire on the stone. And as the fire began to burn, the heat began to warm the stone till the stone became hot and the blood began to flow off the stone. And, uh, and as he said this, a few minutes later, literally, the fire of God dropped upon this um, weck compound. That is a group of Christians who were working in this area. It just dropped upon them. And they knew it was God because when they got out of church, all of the local people were bringing wheelbarrows, literally wheelbarrows full of things that they'd stolen. And they were returning it. And not only that, but they were kneeling outside the church and as they knelt outside the church, they realized that a savior had come in. And they asked them, how do you know? And they said this, we saw the blood flowing out of the door. Wow. Wow. Yeah, give God praise. And, um, and so then what happened, this whole group of people was set on fire. Missionaries that had never seen anybody turn to Christ started to see 
village after village, literally village after village, and turning to Christ. I said Malawi. That was in the Congo. They moved to Malawi. But that was in the Congo. Village after village after village. And his brother was up in the north area of Congo. Then it was Belgium Congo. And, uh, and as the fire dropped here, before they could get a message to anybody in the wet compound right up north, the fire of God had fallen there. And see, spontaneous combustion. And I, I felt last night that there was a sense that the Spirit of God was creating an opportunity for us to step into a place where the fire of God is going to come. And it's not from our works, it's the lens was the lens of his eye. And so him looking upon us, and if we would just spend enough time just in the presence of God, I believe he would cause his eye to be upon us. And all the things that we feel that we wrestle with and struggle with, the obstacles that we encounter in life, I believe those things would be moved out of the way as the fire of God lights our hearts. And we become inflamed with the things that are upon his heart for our lives to accomplish. Wouldn't that be good? Yes. See, and I believe that is, that is for us. That is an opportunity that's been given to us. And I believe that word last night, I've never heard a word like that since the time I was in um, Bible school. And then yesterday, I don't know whether you, any of you are picking up the reports, but there is a fire that's been um, dropped in in Kentucky. And there's a church there that the fire of God has just dropped in on. And, um, and, and I believe that God is going to release fires. Now listen, what we have to watch is that we don't go back into an old wineskin of what it's like when the fire of God falls. Um, because that would be so easily the case of it dropping here and then what happens, we, we have an outpouring or we have a, a fire that falls and then we go back into how we're going to handle all of this. Well, the thing will be whether you're in a meeting or whether you're not, we spend time in God's presence. And as we spend time in God's presence, his eye will be upon us. Now listen, his eye is upon you all the time. There is never a time when God removes his eye from you. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. What is he looking for? Those whose hearts are directed towards him. That's another paraphrase of that verse. But it's those whose hearts are directed towards him. So when I say lying or staying in his presence, it's not about lying on the floor and soaking, though do that as much as you can. It is about in all that we do, we acknowledge that the eye of God is upon us. There was a revivalist in Wales called Hal Harris, and you can go to his house now in Monmouth, and you can sit in the chair that he sat in. And as you sit in the chair, you look up, and on the ceiling, he's drawn a great big eye on the ceiling right next to his fire. 
And, uh, and he's got on it the all-seeing eye of God. You know, if, if you haven't been to these places, let me tell you, it's a good, it's a good day out. You know, sit in the chair and, and you just look up. You don't see it before. And now you'll go into the room and you'll be looking to see where it is. But it sits right there over his chair. And it's the all-seeing eye of God. I mean, it's quite scary, quite intimidating, you know. Um, but I just sense that God is wanting to release something into our lives afresh. He's wanting to cause that spontaneous fire. So therefore, you can't work it up. So I'm not asking you to work things up. What I'm doing is saying to you, allow God to cause something to bubble up. You know, there's different types of, of wells. And I know Ryan was speaking about wells last week. And I thought I'd got a message together with that. And it may fit into it a little bit, but it will be different. But there's different types of wells. There's a borehole well. And that is there's water under the ground. And what you do is you get a borehole. And that is you bore down into the table water that's there. And when you bore down into it, then you fix a pump on the top and the pump will bring the water up. So that's one. Then you've got the artesian well. Now an artesian well is a well that's under the ground. But what happens, pressure begins to build with the, um, the uh, power of the water and it can't remain there. So what it does, it begins to break through the various tables and layers of the ground until it bursts onto the top and it's called an artesian well. You do nothing, it just bubbles up and comes out of the top. And then you've got the geysers and the geysers are also have pressure but they also have heat and that will bubble and bubble. I don't know if any of you have been to Finland, there's a geyser there and he's not a man. Uh, <laughs> you know, I uh, just... You know, some people talk like that. You know, we have people from different parts. And, and what happens, it bubbles and bubbles. And on the top, it's like this foaming mass. And then all of a sudden, it starts to bubble. It's like living. And as it begins to bubble, it gets bigger and bigger. till it begins to arch. And then all of a sudden, it just bursts up. And it goes to about 100 feet in the air. You know, and you, you just see it. And if you get... Close enough, you get sprayed with this sulfur, this sulfur smelling. It smells like rotten eggs. You know, I don't advise it. But it, it's, see, there, but there are different types. But I like to think that God is wanting us to be like the artesian well. We're not boring down for anything. We're being in his presence. And his presence is enough to create something that rises up. And as it rises up, it's all we've got to do. With joy shall you draw water from the well of salvation. With joy. And listen, joy isn't happiness. Happiness has to do with the things that happen to us. So if we have good things that happen, we can laugh. If we have bad things that happen, we cry. See, it has to do with happenings. But joy is something that is a fruit of the Spirit. And when that joy comes in, and it's not joy, joy deep, deep down in my heart, and we have to drill down to find it. You know, but there is a joy that is there that is incomprehensible to people around us 
even with what we're going through. Because there is something of that joy that we draw salvation from. And God's salvation brings healing to every part of our lives, the broken areas of our lives. And just to say, do pray. There's two great people here, and you know them, Jim and Sue Suchi. Um, do pray for them. Um, their son, Matthew, would be in his early 30s, but passed away last Sunday morning. I know that's a shock to people. Just died in his sleep. And uh, we want to pray for them. Pray for them. We baptize Matthew here at Revival Fires. A man who had great purpose in his life. An incredible guitar player. But more than that, he was a wonderful son, a great husband, and a wonderful father. And so, Father, we just lift up Jim and Sue to you in the precious name of Jesus. We know you are the God who comforts us in all that we go through in life. We thank you, Father, for the comfort of the Holy Spirit, that even when we can be in your presence, when we can sense your presence and joy and laughter rises from us, Lord, also you're the one who is there too for Jim and for Sue and for his dear wife and Noah their little boy. Father, we pray for them today. We lift them before you. Lord, we don't ask the questions why, but we ask the question now, will you reveal your purpose to this family in Jesus' name? Amen. And so we want the fire to fall. You know, and, and that's the reality of life, isn't it? You know, we want the fire to fall in on where we are. And why shouldn't God do it when we come together like this? I mean, Richard, because probably he's done it, um, but he would tell you how long it takes. If you've got Tinder and the gl glorious sun shining, how long it would take for a magnifying glass to cause it to begin to burn. Well, I think... We spend enough time here on a Sunday for God to do it. See, but sometimes we don't see things like that. And so what we need is a clarity in our vision. And those stories I've just told you, they're life experiences. But they are there in order to help us clarify the story, clarify the vision. You see, vision, and you've heard this come through, um, Anna said it, also I think Sharon said it, and that is that we, we want God's presence to enthrall us. Now listen, vision is what enthralls you. You get a person who's talking about vision and it will enthrall you. It will be so powerful that it draws you forward. And it doesn't always have to be someone who's very expressive. Sometimes somebody can give you a vision of what they're doing in terms of a very ordinary practical project. And you hear it and you see it and you're enthralled by it and something rises up and it's like you must reach out and touch it. That's what I'm talking about with vision. That's what vision does. And it, it begins to pull us. 
and spontaneously. There's this pull, and we don't know why there is this pull. We can't explain it. Somebody else could go to the same place, and it wouldn't happen to them. But you go, and it pulls you. And as it pulls you, you feel this surging because there's this well that's rising up that you can't contain and it begins to surge up in you until the only thing you can do is give expression to it in your life. Are you with me this morning? See, that's what we're wanting. See, that is what the fire of God will do for us. Now, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 51. It's a glorious verse. And um, this month, because I don't know about you, but I'm on my 44th day. And uh, that's my 44th page that I've turned. And um, God has been speaking in wonderful ways during the time that, you know, I've been able to give to him. And, um, and so, um, you know, as I'm reading through the scriptures, I'm allowing God to speak. And so I had last month, the word I had was obedience. And... Uh, and so I felt the Lord say to me, Trevor, I will give you a word for every month. And, and the word I had for this month, so I'm already, you know, 13 days into this, um, this month from when I started to turn the page on the 1st of January. I'm already into this um, 14th day. Um, but the, on the 1st of February, I felt the Lord say to me, your word for this month is persistence. Let me say that again. Your word for this month is persistence. Now, what does that mean? You know, and so, you, you know, for me now is that you begin to have heightened awareness. Do you know the law of heightened awareness? You get to, you know, somebody mentions something and everywhere you look, you see this word persistence. You know, you may have heard me say, you know, when you're looking for a freezer, you know, a second-hand freezer, you go, to the, you go to the columns in the papers and you look for freezers. And, uh, and so you're looking, you're looking into the, the, um, the advert columns for um, freezers and my... You can't believe it because there's like 50 to choose from. And you think, goodness me, I didn't know there were all these second-hand freezers that people were getting rid of. That was our first freezer that we, we bought second-hand. You know? And so you look through and you think, God, you are so good. You're giving us such a big choice. You know? and, and the thing is, about a week later after we bought a freezer, I thought, I'll just go and see if there's any freezers for sale today. You know? Thinking that... The, the day that there were 50, when I looked a couple of weeks later, there wouldn't be any freezers, you know, for sale. And I opened the page, and sure enough, there were 50 freezers all for sale. But the thing was, I no longer had that heightened awareness, so I wasn't looking out for them. And so for you for this month, I just believe this word persistence. You know, we looked at last month, obedience. 
you know, simple obedience, speedy obedience, sacrificial obedience, celebratory obedience. And I believe this month is this sense of persistence. What does it mean, you know, persistence? It means to take hold of something and not let go. You know, here, let me just... Persistence is to be steadfast. It's to never give up. Winston Churchill one time went to Eton um, College and he preached a message there. Well, he spoke a message there. And he was probably the greatest orator I think this country has ever produced in terms of the way that he could use words to convey things. And, um, and he got up to all these men and, uh, and he says, never give up. Never, never give up. Never, never, never give up. And with that, he sat down. That was his word. And then, within a matter of a few years, the majority of those men that were at Eton had all given their lives as the few for the many as pilots in the Second World War. And just that, persistence see because when you're persistent you will follow something with a resolve that you will lay down your life for do you understand that's what persistence is and so listen whether you lay down your life in terms of reality or whether you live your life out the fact is this we have laid down our lives for the Lord Jesus. That you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That is the well that we draw from. Now consider yourself dead to what? To sin. But alive to God. Can you see? And listen... Every area or the areas of your life that you do not consider yourself dead in is the areas that you will struggle with sin in your life. Let me say that again. The areas that you haven't died in your life will be the areas that you struggle with sin in your life so if you have not reckoned yourself dead to sin and listen that doesn't mean sin globally that means sin the besetting sin that so easily entangles us is that what will happen is that you will live a life of death now, what does that mean? It means that you cease to live in relationship with other people. Wow. Do you have problems in your relationships? Is there tensions? Is there warring? Let me tell you, it could be that there may be areas that you have not reckoned yourself dead to sin 
So therefore, you can't reckon yourself alive unto God. God is a life-giving spirit. And so for us, as we move on, see, we've heard words in terms of putting seeds in the ground. Listen, you can put as many seeds in the ground as you like. But if you don't allow God to take out the weeds, they will grow together. And don't think that your life is separate. It's not that we've got this field over here that's my, that's my weed field. And then over this, over here, we've got my wheat field. And so when I'm in my wheat field, everything is great. And so I go over to my weed field and everything is chaotic. Can you see? And so we separate the two up. Are you with me this morning? And see, the thing is, it's mixture. And the enemy, listen, I'm not telling you you're bad people. I'm telling you, remember the man who got up, sowed his ground, and got up and went out the next day, and also there were weeds there. And he says, who has done this? And he says, an enemy has done this. See, it's not you. I don't want you to so think that you are evil people, but we can allow things to come in. So Jesus has to come and turn the table. He has to come and clean the ashes. All of those are the same metaphors of God wanting to clean something out, whether it's the wheat and the chaff. Can you see? It's God separating one thing from another. And so for us today, you know, there's a sense where God wants us to be persistent, Persistent in reckoning ourselves alive unto God. What would that mean for you? Well, it would mean that you wouldn't be going two steps forward, three steps forward, and two steps back. And then three steps forward and two steps back. And then one, two, three, and I'll soon be in Ryan's lap. And then two steps back. But the word was push forward. Can you see? Because that's what persistence will do. But we can only push forward when we have something that's enthralling us, something that has so captivated our lives and it pulls us forward to a way so that we step over the two steps and then we press in and we take the third step and then we push forward again, this, this vision that's pulling us, pulling us, pulling us and we can't stop ourselves because God has put something in us and that which he's put within us begins to clarify everything in who we are and we begin to find that there is now life for me that I'm living this life that God has for me and as I live this life I find that it's an abundant life and I find that my life is satisfying and also it satisfies other people and so we come to a place where we have to reckon yourself Dead. Sharon once was um, part of a youth group and they were looking at making names for what the youth group should be called. And, uh, and she's, she came up with this one, which was the dead and dying. <laughs> you know, the dead to sin and dying to self. You know, I thought, well, that's pretty good. I mean, you know, that... Uh, 
But it is that, isn't it? But if any man, any woman's in Christ, we become new creations. Old things have passed away, died. All things become new, rebirth. Hallelujah. See, that's how God wants us to live. And listen, this isn't, this isn't trying to do spiritual gymnastics. God has done it all. The magnifying glass does it all. Is all we have to do is be the pile of dead sticks. Let me say that again. God has done it all. He is the magnifying glass. Is all we have to be is the pile of dead sticks. The drier, the better. Doesn't take as long to burst into flames. You know? And so here, it is not trying to go through all the spiritual gymnastics of how we can get into a place of increased spirituality. You are spirit. You have been born anew to a living hope. I still haven't read this verse, have I? Here it is. 9.51 As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set his face to go to Jerusalem. That's the word. Jesus resolutely, Jesus steadfastly, Jesus persistently set his face to go to Jerusalem because at Jerusalem was the final place of his purpose in life. Now, if you turn, and I know Ryan spoke about this last week, because we talk, we're in relationship. And Ryan talked about the woman at the well. And it says that he must go through Samaria. And so he goes through Samaria and he comes to Jacob's well. But now he sends his disciples to Samaria, but he doesn't go. He goes to Jerusalem. And it's so easy, isn't it, on our journey in life, we get to similar places and we think that we need to do the same as what we did the last time. See, but Jesus was persistent. He was resolute. He never gave up. Up. He endured. What did he endure in? Well, we heard it this morning in worship. If you picked up that song of Jude, Jesus, my Savior, Jesus, my Redeemer. That was his life's purpose. That was why he came. Son of man came that he might take away our sin and that he might destroy all the works of the devil. That was his life's purpose. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And you see, you read, 
Isaiah chapter 53, and it says, and he will look at the travail of his soul and be satisfied. What is that? That's his life purpose. He could see he endured the cross. He was steadfast. He was resolute in going to the cross. Are we as resolute with the cross in our own lives? Because if we aren't, his hand will come, turn the tables, and clean the ashes. Because let me tell you, God is committed. He's committed. He is unrelenting. He is persistently coming to us. Why? Because he wants you to spontaneously combust with the purpose of God in your life. And when that happens, something is ignited in you. And it doesn't mean you go here or you go there. It's just that your life changes and you become a different person in that sense that there is now a different motivation in your life, which is nothing to do with your personality type. But it's all to do with his presence working in you. At that time, he, as the time approached for him to be taken up, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers on ahead who went into the Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people did not welcome him because he was heading to Jerusalem. Can you see? He wasn't detracted. And so what about our vision? You know, what is it that we are wanting to leave behind? What is it we're wanting to so do with our lives that it becomes a legacy? And the legacy is the way that it will impact your life, the way my life will impact your life. And so that impact that it has upon your life will then help in the forming and the fashioning of your life according to the purpose of God so that you can be more the person that God created you to be so that then you can impact somebody else's life. And the way that you impact it, it isn't a case of passing on the baton, it's a case of legacy having its full impact. And so often we don't see the long-term vision of our lives. We live it for today. And I do believe that Americans are far more focused in on the present than they are on the future. You know, the whole thing that they build houses that usually last about 90 years. You know, and and so this whole thing is what we can get for us today. And so my life becomes an amassing of my wealth for today. Now listen, the same could be true of us. But you see, if we have a long term, so here it's clarity of vision. If we're going to be persistent, we have to have clarity of vision. Jesus had clarity of vision. It says there in um, John um, chapter 4, in John 4, I'll give you the verse. In 4 verse 4, 
it says that Jesus went through Samaria and he came to the well called Jacob's well. But you see, we have to keep moving forward in a journey. And I do say this, I believe that one of the keys, keys, no, one of the values that we have established here in worship is that our worship is always seeking to take us on a journey. That is what marks the worship out here more than anything else. And so we always want to be taken on a journey. Now, with that, yes, God is directing it, but there are others who are helping us, and the Spirit of God comes and it begins to bring clarity to us. That's what the prophetic does. It brings clarity, and you heard me mention various things this morning that has come out. The first thing this morning that I heard as I stepped into the prayer time here was um, consistency. You know, very similar to persistency, isn't it? Being consistent, doing the same things. But we don't want to get caught up with that. But, but the thing for me is worship is a journey here. We journey to the places that God wants for us that is going to bring benefit into our lives as he speaks to us. And so here we need clarity of vision. And I was reminded just to try and express this to you of having a long-term, not a short-term vision. You know, I, um, uh, I was given a, a presentation by the Queen and that's nothing... Well, it is special, but it, it isn't that special. Lots of people get them. And um, we have Marcia who's getting her MBE just in a few weeks' time, you know. So, so you know, um, there are things that happen that you get to meet people. But I've never met her since. And uh, even, in her, even in her dying breath, she, she didn't ask for Trevor Baker to come and pray for her, you know. Um, but I was just one of those that had met her. And, but when we were in the Great Hall, they, they brought this chair out, and it looked very ordinary, and they, they set it down. They said to us, this is the dais. This is the throne of the, um, the monarch of the United Kingdom. Listen, it didn't look like a throne at all. It just looked like a wooden chair. But it was the same chair that the queen sat on when she sits, or when she did sit, at the trooping of the colour. Do you know that little wooden chair? Well, it was, that's where it, it was. And so that became her throne while she sits upon it. I mean, afterwards, we all sat on the chair, but it didn't make any difference. That was just, it was back to being a chair because we weren't royalty in that sense, you know. And I know some of you say, oh, yes, but Trevor, you are royalty. You're a son of the king. I know, but, you know. So, but, but the thing is this. The wood that that dais is made out of is a piece of oak from the Blenheim um, estate and it was planted 300 years before it was cut down. 300 years. Yeah. At least, in my reckoning, 
you know, eight or nine generations ago. But there was a forester that one day took an acorn and he planted the seed. He planted it. Did he ever realize that this tree would become a throne for the monarch of England or United Kingdom? I don't think he did. But he planted it with a purpose. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been there. And so he, he had a far-reaching vision. Every day or year that he would go out to look after the forestry and manage the forest and then pass it on probably to his sons and then to their sons. All of those times, did they ever think that it would become that? See, we do not know the impact of the seeds that we put in the ground. And the ground is your life. The ground is what you put into others. Now listen, you have the ability to plant two types of seeds. You have the ability to plant weeds. And when you plant weeds in other people's lives, that is the sin in our lives that we influence other people through our sin. That's a weed that will grow in their lives. No matter how much they try and take it out, it will grow. It will cause bad reactions to come. Or we plant wheat, which becomes the bread of life. See, we all have choices that we, we need to be persistent. See, reckon yourself dead to sin, but alive to God. Wow. See, that's the reality of where we are. And then heaven opens up to us. Then the whole realm of the spirit opens up because then we have the mind of the spirit. We're no longer clogged up with all the rational, all the logical, all the reason of trying to work everything out. We have an artesian well of the spirit rising up through us and we now have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. So now we can think the very thoughts of God. And so here, what is your vision like? What's the clarity of your vision? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. See, your, your clarity of vision is the purpose of life that God has for you. And you turn to Mark chapter 10. Clarity of vision. And Jesus is talking to his disciples, verse 45. He's talking to his disciples and they're going on about who should be the greatest and who should be the one who becomes the top dog, all of those things. And Jesus said to him, this is clarity of purpose. This is clarity of vision. This is what enthralled him. This is what drew him. So when he was facing in going to Samaria, he could say, no, this time it's Jerusalem. That is my ultimate purpose. That is what I was brought to this earth to fulfill. And in that verse of Mark chapter 10, verse 45, he says here, the Son of Man came. God so loved the world that he gave. The Son of Man came not to be served but to serve 
and to give his life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. John chapter 3, verse 16. Here Jesus is talking about the purpose that God the Father had for him. And now he is reaching a point. And this is after after this, he now sets his face resolutely, persistently to move to Jerusalem. And he says, the Son of Man came not to be served. It's not about you coming and serving me. It's about me serving you. And then he says these words, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That was his purpose. That was what took hold of him. Who for the joy set before him. What was the joy that was set before him? Well, let me tell you, it was your life and it was my life. That he could look through long-term vision. He was not concerned with A.D., he was concerned with 1973, the 4th of October at 6.30 in the morning. And that's when he could see me. And he saw me and he said, that is why I go this way. See, do you have purpose? And that is what enthralled him. That is what drew something out of him that says, I cannot, I cannot deviate for that person. His name is Trevor. His life is a mess, but I'm going to do something. I'm going to redeem his life. Can you see? Same as to the Karens, the Eileen's, the Pauline's, the Terry's. you know, the Maureen's, the Alex's. I see... Listen, if that doesn't enthrall you today, I don't know whether anything could. I really don't. The very fact that we were destined for something else, but because Jesus said, I don't come to be served, I come to serve you, and I'm going to give my life as a ransom for yours. Now listen, the devil didn't pay, Jesus didn't pay the devil for me to be freed from his clutches. Jesus fulfilled the law of God so that I could be set free from trying to please God by keeping his law and being righteous according to the works that I do in my life. Do you understand? The devil got nothing. There was not one drop of blood that was given to the devil. Some people think that Jesus paid the devil off for our lives. He didn't. He fulfilled the law of God. And he said, Father, I have done this. I have laid down my life according to your purpose and your will for me so that these people can be freed from trying to work out a way back to you. I have made a way. Their sin is forgiven, so therefore, Father, you must accept them. Unconditionally. That was a word we had from Pauline this morning. 
You must accept them unconditionally because I have loved them. Wow. This is the gospel. This is what it means to be persistent. This is what can be the result of our life. And so Jesus, he was in this place where he had clarity of vision. Do you have clarity of vision? Because I believe today God is going to give you clarity in your vision, clarity of your purpose with all that's going on around you. What is your vision? What is the purpose that God's got for you at this? See, Samaria was a place that Jesus went to. And there was a place there that he was going to do something in Samaria. But when he came to go through it again, he says, no, no, I'm going to where I should be. I'm going to where my story began. Now we know, I know some of you are going to say, but Trevor, it began in Nazareth. Yes, I know. But when he was in Jerusalem, that's when it was told him, there, my eyes have seen the salvation of God. Now let your servant depart in peace, as Simeon prophesied over his life. Can you see? That was the first time that this redemptive purpose of God came out. So Jesus goes there, and he said, that's where it began for me. That's where I was offered up to the purposes of God. Dedications are great. And listen, if you've got children here, Ryan and Anna are wanting to have a dedication Sunday. We'll do it one Sunday morning where all the people, all the children who have been born during COVID, we will dedicate them all together. We need to do that because we have the purposes of God waiting to break out into people's lives. And so here, that's where it's But now he moves to Jerusalem. See, clarity of vision. It's what enthralled him. What enthralls you? What draws you? What is it that burns in you? What people is it? See, because we're always called to a people, not just to a place. We're, what are the people that God wants you to reach to? Because God has put so many things in your life. And as he puts them into your life, let me tell you this. You were created for that purpose. Now, if you're wanting a, a highfalutin name to all of this, it's the teleological purpose of God. That is this. Some of you are rolling your eyes now. It means this. It was the end goal that God had in mind. Do you know what the end goal is that God has got in mind? That everything is working towards. God is not out of step even though there are things that are trying to cut in, whether it's wars, earthquakes, all the rest of it. And I know it's very easy for us to talk like that here in a place of safety where the earth isn't going to move and where there's no bombs going to fall. It's very easy for us to talk like that in terms of nothing can thwart the purpose of God. God is working to his timeline. And he is working things out according to his purpose because he has an end in view. Do you know what that end in view is? He's going to reconcile all things in heaven and on earth. 
That's his end. And he won't give up until he's finished that. Whatever the enemy tries to do to thwart it. And so here, get hold of God's purpose. Part of that purpose of God for me is that telling people that they can be new creations. That is God's purpose for my life. That is why he wanted to transform my life. He took it out of the place that it was and he transformed it and changed it so that my life now, but even over the 45 years that I've known him, that, that has changed and it continues to change. How do I know it continues to change? Because I'm still reckoning things dead to sin. It doesn't all happen in one sweep, though it seems like that. And then God says, what about this? Will you bring that to the cross? Will you die to that area of self in your life? And so there's the case of dying. We're dead, but we're dying. We're dying, but we're dead. You know, all of those things. And so we, we, we are in that place. And it's not, it's not that we're schizophrenic Christians, that we're dead and we're alive. Or, you know, that um, we haven't got sin, we have got sin. Or whether we can't sin, we can sin. You know, all of those things, it's not that. It's just the reality of our lives and, and how we need to reckon. That is, we need to put to our account that we have died. It was a completed act in a perfect tense. We have. Doesn't need to happen again. But we are also putting to death the things of the flesh. So there's a putting to death. It's taking up our cross daily. Do you know why Jesus said daily? It's because it is a daily walk. Are you with me this morning? And so for us, as we move forward, clarity of vision. See, transformed lives. That's what we give ourselves to. We call it, we call it our life passage. We call it our life's purpose. But God is working out his purpose. The end that he has in view. The goal that everything in terms of God's heart is orientated towards. That's what he wants for me and you. And Jesus said, this is what my goal is. This is what I'm orientated to. We have that in our vision here. Presence-centered, people-focused, community-oriented. God is orientated to seeing communities transformed because people's lives are transformed and because his presence comes to transform them. That's why it's not some concocted little slogan that we have. It's a real purpose. We wanted to find something of the, the heart to which God is drawing us, enthralling us. And then that will happen. The people will go out here to other nations. And they will then begin to take what's been imparted to them, a legacy. Part of their walk here is a legacy. So that they go and they begin to put that legacy into the lives of others that's been shaped in their life, that's different to everyone else. Can you see? So it goes on that who knows? But we are building a throne, and it is a throne that Jesus is going to come and sit on. 
So as we worship, would you build your throne? Come, Lord Jesus, and take your place. And so for us this morning, I think that's probably enough for you just to carry on with for a little while. (laughs) You see, and so we, we get to a point where we need to reject the seductive calls of distractions. See, that would take away you being persistent. I just, let's see if I can find what I wrote here. I wrote something down here. Um, Jesus didn't commit himself to any man. He didn't commit himself. You find that in John chapter 2. They wanted to come and take him and make him king prior to the cross. And it says, and Jesus knew what was in man. He didn't commit himself to any of them. See, he wasn't distracted. He wasn't distracted by the acclaim of people. And so for us, as I, as I finish, you see, we can, we can be distracted by entertainment. What's entertainment? What we observe without commitment. That's entertainment. Doesn't cost us anything. I watched some rugby yesterday afternoon. Watched Ireland play France. I would not have liked to have been on that pitch. I mean, I don't think I would have... Well, I wouldn't have walked off. But I don't know how would I would got... I would have got off the pitch. But I was entertained. No commitment. But it's different with regard to attainment. See, attainment is what we endure with commitment. See, and for us, we need a vision, clarity of vision. But it's about your vision. Clarity. Get hold of it. I can't give you that. Ryan and Anna can't give you that. Only God can give you that. And he can give it you without a prophetic word. He can give it you when you're in his presence and his magnifying is upon you. Thanks for listening. Stay connected, be resourced and equipped by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel, and following us on social media at Revival Fires on Instagram and Facebook. If you've been impacted by this ministry, why don't you consider investing and sowing a gift? Visit our website for details on how to give.